Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today we have joining us someone from my hometown, hometown of Denver, Colorado, Sally Doobie. Sally, welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Thanks so much, Christopher. Excited to be here. And I'm newly from your hometown. I just moved to Denver uh, just a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's no, it's great. As I'm sure you know, it's uh, yes. it's a great town to be from. So uh, <laughs> I'm thrilled to have you here. Um, yes. Sally, um, Sally, for those of you who may not be familiar with her, Sally is the chief sales officer and partner for the Bridge Group. Sally, tell us a bit about your journey and how you got to be where you are now with the Bridge Group. Yeah, so you know, it's funny because I was just uh, at a college graduation uh, for uh, a young man who's like my nephew. And, you know, he's struggling with, I don't know really what I want to do now that I've graduated and what direction I want to go. And it's like, you know, I, who would have thought my journey, which after I graduated from college, I graduated in hotel and restaurant management. You can tell I'm doing a lot, lot with that right now. <laughs> um, and, you know, I stayed in it for two years and, and realized that probably wasn't what I really wanted to do. Um, but it was my stepping stone because a gentleman that I worked for um, at a Weston hotel left the industry and went into sales and he recruited me into sales. And so that was how I ended up many you know, years ago getting into sales and um, have never looked back since, since I started the journey. And I started in insurance sales and realized I didn't really like that kind of selling. Um, and at the same time, I moved from Michigan to California. And even back, back many years ago, um, tech was getting going. And so I got into selling tech and loved it. Started in field sales actually, and for a very small company before VC firms was in vogue and really um, a lot of them out there. And so stayed for five years working in various management positions eventually for this small company and realized that really to beef up my background and my resume, I needed to get in with a larger company. And so I actually got in with Oracle earlier on in Oracle's days. And I started in the inside sales group with Oracle and I was the 10th inside sales rep. Um, had the privilege of working alongside Mark Benioff for uh, a little bit before he moved on to much bigger and greater things yeah. <laughs> along the way. But that was really my official launch pad and into this. And I have to say, I love the inside sales. Um, I loved the fast pace of it. Um, I love that it was repeatable and scalable. And once I figured out what, what my success was and how to, I could repeat that and just keep doing it over and over again. Um, and it fit my lifestyle at the time because I was uh, starting to have children. And so I knew I was, 
every night I'm going to be at home and I could make good money. So I decided to stay in it. And we moved on to, you know, from at Oracle, we were really kind of beat up by the field sales team saying, you can't sell anything. You can sell maybe our PC product, but you can't sell anything. Everybody wants to meet in person to in three years, we were a $25 million organization. Um, And then, you know, it's billions today (laughs) and thousands and thousands of people globally. Um, So to really get a piece of that early journey within TAC, um, I went on to several other tech companies and helped build or transform inside sales, sales development, renewals teams for those companies and moved into various um, leadership roles and stayed with it. And then got into the consulting end, which I love because I'm talking to so many different companies and people today and learning so much from all those conversations. Um, and But there's a lot of things that, that I'm hearing in common. Uh, but the, the consulting other tech companies in particular really understand and utilize the full power of inside sales and sales development. Yeah, And that's how I, I joined the Bridge Group about five or six years ago uh, with Trish to increase our business. Yeah. So I do sales every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, inside sales... Um, is really, you know, we've had a crazy 18 months, you know, getting through COVID and all that. And, you know, so as a sales leader, how should I be looking at or thinking about inside sales coming out of this pandemic? Yeah, so boy, there's a lot we could could talk about with that one. Um, So first of all, I guess probably the best thing is let's sort of clarify some terms because inside sales is one of those terms that means a lot of different things to companies. So how we use it and and typically use is in inside sales is actually you're selling over the phone, through Zoom, through digital means um, and closing deals, right? So you're generating revenue, you're quota based um, and and you're paid, right? Incentive comp based on how much you close. There's another facet of it that we typically refer to as sales development, which is more generating pipeline on the front end right, Um, of the sales cycle and that sales development reps are doing outbound prospecting, following up on inbound um, leads and setting meetings with the right companies, the right people that have a need that you can solve and then passing those on to a salesperson, whether that's an inside salesperson or a field salesperson. So um, now that we have (laughs) sort of the groundwork laid out there, you know, when COVID happened, it, um, it presented a whole new opportunity for inside sales. And um, because everybody was selling inside sales. So field salespeople, whether they wanted to acknowledge it and believe it or not, were actually selling totally over the phone. And so we went from this that I thought all my career was you can't sell this over the phone. It has to be a relationship. You have to be in the field. You have to do this and that and all this other bull to, you know what? People were selling. Once we got settled in in COVID, um, people realized, yes, there was a lot of bad things that happened, but 
this guy didn't actually fall um, and we were carrying on business that companies were selling million dollar deals over the phone and through Zoom and whatever other means they use. Um, they were selling $100,000 deals and co companies prospered eventually. It took a few months <laughs> um, from the start of COVID. And so, you know, we really went full circle around this. And now we have all these reports out by uh, McKinsey. And I'm trying to think of who else put out some of these reports. Um, but where they're stating, you know, 75% of buyers feel that this selling mode and methodology is much more effective and efficient than face-to-face. -face. And oh, by the way, only 20% buyers want to go back to the old way of being in their office and being in their face. So we've got this reality now where this is the preferred method that our buyers want to buy. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and we've proven that they can buy this way, whether it's a million dollar deal or it's a $5,000 deal. So it's opened up a whole new thing, but it's also, you know, we, we've caused a lot of challenges for our sales models and how people operate that both inside sales needs to up-level their skills and field sales needs to get skills that they never had before, right? right. Um, so yeah, we, we've, we've uh, but we've proven you don't have to be in the field. <laughs> right, do you think that this proves or, or alt I, I think it probably really significantly alters, but just the process of how we sell that maybe we're making it harder than it needed to be? Yes. <laughs> I think so. Um, again, I mean, you know, those million, $2 million or even greater deals, those are all going to be the anomalies that, you know, they, they may still go back and follow the old way of doing things um, at certain points in time. But, you know, I think what, what we've seen happen is like where field salespeople have struggled adapting to this is that they try to take their hour, 90 minute, 120 minute dog and pony show, if you will, that they used to do in front of a room of, you know, 20 people, executives, and they tried to redo that on Zoom. Right. Um, and they fell flat on their face for the most part, right? So that doesn't work. <laughs> and we have to figure out our buyers, everybody, we're all crazy busy, right? Um, people, we don't have patience. It's like, get to the point, get to the point. Tell me what you got to say. And so the companies that have really thrived are the ones that have been able to adapt, not just, I'm taking exactly what I used to do in the field and do it over Zoom today. That again, doesn't work. Um, about 13 years ago now, I started up a group called the VPS Sales Forum. Um, and we didn't meet in person. It was for VPs of sales, shock, <laughs> um, in the Bay Area, where I was for many, many years. And it was a forum to get VPs of sales to meet peers so that they would be able to have somebody, a trusted network that they could call up and get help with advice, throw things around with. 
as well as we brought in guest speakers five to six times a year and to keep them up to speed on latest trends, what's happening, what are the new things that you need to know about to do your job properly. And so when COVID happened, we went to meeting on Zoom and we brought in Jeff Williams, who was president of Armist Security. And Jeff realized really clearly, really early on, I should say, when COVID struck, is that his heavy field sales model needed to change. And that as they were looking at cost and how do we make all this work until we figure out, you know, because sales did fall flat for like two or three months, right? For pretty much everybody. Yep. Um, you know, how are we going to survive? How are we going to pull this off? So they focused a smaller number of field salespeople on the really critical key strategic accounts, right? They were still selling over the phone, but they focused them up at the very high end of the pyramid. And then they raised where it, they did have an inside sales team, they've grown it. And they also went from the inside sales team used to sell up to employee size of 2,500. He raised it up to 5,000. And their inside sales teams were routinely now bringing in $200,000 deals, $250,000 deals. And this was new business. This wasn't existing accounts, right? Um, and then earlier this year, they were looking at let's maybe, why are we limiting to 5,000 employees? They're doing really well. Maybe we should look at raising it up to 10,000. So you keep growing, you know, where you're, um, your less expensive resources are, but still are doing a really good job, right? right? right. And so, yeah, th that's where, you know, there's an opportunity though, because now that inside sales is selling bigger deals, they're selling more complex deals, enablement has taken on a huge importance um, for many companies. And we see enablement, that's like one of the top, uh, you know, open positions that we see around right. is trying to get sales enablement people on board to help with the training to raise the skill set of inside sales. How do you sell to multiple buyers? How do you sell complex systems? How do you do these presentations to multiple buyers? Um, and then as well, again, they need to help the field sales team rework their presentations yeah. and the way that they're selling to accommodate the really impatient buyers and this new way of selling today. So again, it's opened up a whole lot of new opportunities yep. around it's created challenges, but we like to think of those as opportunities in the consulting world, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if, if I'm realizing I'm going through this process of, I have to shift my, the structure of my sales team how should I approach in that training to make sure that I'm elevating the skill set of my my inside salespeople, but also supporting the, the people that were field sales that that are now having to shift to, to inside um, yeah. to make sure that that's really I'm supporting them the way I should be and giving them the skills they should be having. Yeah, it's a great question. 
Um, you know, I think everybody's still to some degree struggling with that, but I think it, they're two different issues. So they do need to be separated out, right? right. You can't do like oh. one training for, you know, that's going to cover both helping your inside sales as well as your, your field sales. Right. right. So, um, really looking at, you know, what's your sales model? What are you trying to accomplish? So one of the other things that, um, you know, we've heard from Jeff Williams and others is they also went to a model of, you know what, we're going to really focus on land and expand models, true land and expand, where we're not going to always try to go in for the biggest deal possible right from the beginning. Maybe it's a $25,000 deal. Maybe it's a $50,000 deal. But then we're going to put a ton of resources around that, um, what we just landed, right? That first initial deal to make sure it's successful, that we all understand what criteria we're being judged on, that we give them a success sheet afterwards it says here's what transpired and here's what happened so that the expansion part becomes a no-brainer and you can easily get that but then on the expansion part you can also send that over to your field sales so you're teeing up almost leads for your field sales team right. um, but they're actual customers <laughs> that are actually using your product and have gained a lot of benefit from it um, but they can go also go and negotiate so it really does start with what you your strategy what's your model what are you thinking you can do how do your customers want to buy right you always got to keep oh, your customers so at, the, at the forefront right which i think yeah. we always kind of forget about <laughs> <laughs> yeah um in the tech world in particular and you know what are they looking to do how are they buying now i know you know we went through a lot last year where pretty much any purchase didn't matter it was a thousand dollars ten thousand twenty thousand the CEO of all size companies had to approve it, right? Mm -hmm. And so that is loosening up some, um, but budgets are still kind of, people aren't really sure if they have a budget, if they don't have a budget, how much of a budget do they have? Right. So, you know, there's still some squishiness there and some unknowns, but we always need to take that into account. And, you know, it's an opportunity for, for companies maybe to, right size may not be the right word here, but it's an opportunity to reevaluate their model and see, can we make more money by serving our customers the way they want to be served uh, in a more efficient model and method, but still grow it, right? right, And still get those larger deals because I know you know, your investors and the public that's invested in companies don't want to see, <laughs> you know, these, these large opportunities go by the wayside. Um, but so you got to start with a strategy, getting back to your original question. Sorry, it's a long roundabout answer. And then really work on, you know, what is that new sales process that your inside sales team is going through? right? Selling into, you know, these larger size accounts, where are their skills deficient? And, you know, and then provide that particular training, right? And help them with decks. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things that we do see and where we've seen some really amazing um, things happen with some of our clients and their enablement teams is the enablement teams, the ones that really have people in enablement that that sold in their past 
and know how to sell. It's like, okay, let's take your typical 30 PowerPoint deck and it's going to go be five or six slides now. Yeah. You know, so how do we cut it down? What are we cutting out to get yeah. to that point? Yeah. <laughs> right. And to be effective and to keep these busy executives, because if you can get five executives on a Zoom call yeah. today, yeah. you need to state your case and have them understand the value that you bring and what you're going to be able to do for them. Yeah. And the reality is today that because of like what we're doing now over Zoom, we're back to back to back on all our meetings. Everybody's like that. And so when we're selling, we have to understand and acknowledge that, that that's the world we're in now. Yes. Zoom fatigue is a real thing. <laughs> um, it, it's definitely a real thing. I hear it all the time. Um, and funny thing is, is a lot of our clients and people that I talk to every day, they're either back in the office or they're getting back to the office or partially in the office. And they are excited to be back in the office. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever would have thought that, but, yeah. you know, and I, I don't know if that's going to last a long time, actually. Um, you know, they, they may get over that excitement of being back in the office in another right. month right. or two. Yep. But, um, you know, so we have to be conscientious of that. We have to be able to keep people engaged um, and talk about what they want to talk about and how we can help them. You know, again, going through a PowerPoint deck where you spend the first five or six slides or even more for some people, where you're starting off talking about you as the vendor and how great you are, how big you are. You just got this enormous round of funding. Gartner puts you on the magic quadrant or whatever, you know, or telling them about how you help another customer at that stage. They don't care about any of that. They don't care how you help somebody else at the beginning. They want to know what you're going to do for them. Yep. What problems can you solve and what's the business value bringing? So, you know, we're seeing a lot of companies, and again, this is where enablement, marketing, product marketing, a lot of what we do as well is it's not about feature and functionality. It's about the business value. Yeah. So how do you change all your conversations around to stress business value that you're bringing? And what are they going to get out of it? How are you going to help make their life better? Um, or solve these business challenges for them so they can move on to something else and grow their own business. Like you're yeah. trying to grow your business, right? Yep. So what are so some, it, as yeah. I'm going through this transition, what are some of the common mistakes or landmines that I should be avoiding as a sales leader? Um, you know, I think that it goes back to a lot of what we were just saying is acknowledging that, you know, there's a lot of things that are different that I think when we talk to a lot of sales leaders, it's like, oh yeah, my reps know how to use Zoom. You know, it's no big deal. Right. I think you really need to take a look at that. It's a lot more than knowing how to use the technology. Yeah. Right. It's about what are you doing on that technology, yeah. right? Yeah. Again, it goes back to the presentation. How are you structuring it? What are your, yes. your talking points? Um, you know, have you shortened it down again? Yep. I don't make any meetings, especially my first meeting 
for more than 30 minutes. It's hard to hold people's attention. It's hard to get their time when you're trying to talk to an executive oh, yeah. for the first time for, for more than 30 minutes. So you've, again, you gotta make those 30 minutes count. Yeah, and with people being able to turn their cameras off or whatever, you have no idea what's happening on the other side potentially. Right. So if your message is not compelling and engaging and concise, forget it. Right. Right. You know, I think the other thing that companies learned probably in the first six months of COVID was that they also, especially from the field sales versus inside sales and sales development, is that they didn't have enough reporting and tracking and measuring. And they were, it was just a big black hole for them as to what was going on. Right. Um, and their sales team and, you know, was there any pipeline, right. you know, the real value of pipeline. And so I think they realized we really need to up our game in how we're using our CRM, um, making sure that we are recording things in CR in the CRM, that we've got detailed enough that we've got other tools to help automate things so that it's not as much of a manual process. Um, and that we're using the tools in the right way. You know, I think on the other end of the spectrum, for the most part, sales development teams and inside sales teams have been much better at utilizing tools mm -hmm. and technology and are more detailed in recording stuff, although we still found a lot of gaps yep. that there's certain things people weren't, you know, it's like you're not reporting on this key piece of data. So you know, one of the big ones that we find is like for inbound leads that sales development or even inside sales teams may be following up on, or sometimes they're going directly out to the field team. You know, if you don't have the right dispositions as to what happened with that, yeah. um, you know, we've got one that they have an awful lot of Gmail addresses and no phone numbers coming in from inbound, right. but they're not dispositioning it properly. So we really can't quantify how big of a problem it is to go yeah. back to marketing to say marketing. You know, these are not MQLs. Right. Right. <laughs> it's not a business email. There's no phone number. What do you expect us to do with it? That's right. That's you right. know, um, so being able to quantify a lot of that stuff is where we're getting into some nitty gritty with with those kinds of teams as well um, yeah. to get more granular insights and data into what is actually happening. Oh, you're speaking my language. I, <laughs> I love what you're saying, because I, I see that all the time that a lot of times those little things or they seem like they're little things. And so they don't get the proper attention. When you get into periods like this, you realize, oh, man, we shot ourselves in the foot by not devoting the appropriate time yes. to really thinking about how are we going to use this information? You know, it, it's one thing to capture it, to make sure you're capturing it, but it's really about how are we going to leverage it to make decisions and right. how to get better. And yes. that's the part that gets the short end of the stick. Uh, so yes, it uh, does. How do you advise your clients around that? What do you tell them when it comes to stuff like that to, to you know, so they're, they are getting the advantages around CRM technology and, and for example, yeah. the disposition codes on your leads? 
Well, I mean, when we work with them, we're going in and we're giving them, you know, you're missing X, Y, and Z. You need to add these fields. You need to add these dispositions, these statuses. And here's why, you know, you're asking us today these questions. We were just on a, uh, a call with a, a CEO and a PE firm yesterday doing a midway check-in with one of our clients. And they were asking a lot of great questions. Well, what's our conversion in this? What's our conversion in that? It's like, we wish we could tell you that. We asked that same question and you're not capturing that data. So we don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's so, not, yeah. It's like, you know, so you need to start capturing and that's gonna be part of our recommendations, very specifically what you yeah. need to do and to capture so that you can get, I mean, they're all relevant and good questions and they lead to such great information and ways to pivot and change your business yep. um, and what you're doing if you've got the data and you're capturing the data. So, and most of the times it's very minimal stuff, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's thinking through the process and how, what do I need to know to know if I'm doing this role properly, right? If I'm getting the best benefits out of it, you know, you need a lot of different data points to look at. And so that's help. You need to help guide. So, I mean, the one thing I would, I would say off the bat, we have a lot of clients that like, oh yeah, we had, you know, whoever we got our CRM from, they came in and they just gave us their generic sales implementation. It's like, right. oh no. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. Don't do What's it. your sales process? You know, right. that need, that's what you need to put in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. most of the time they don't even know what their sales process is. Nope. So that's one of the challenges is, yes. is understanding that. That's right. And there's not yeah. a system. I see this all the time. There's not a system out there that can fix crappy process. Exactly. You know, that you yes. have to have your process nailed down first. Yes. The That's the first thing. A tool to support <laughs> that, not the other yes. way around. Exactly. Exactly. And I just had this conversation. I, I kind of have the same conversations, but with slightly different versions of them. Yes. Um, but I had three of these earlier today. And, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, well, we're using like sales engagement tools, right, to help with prospecting. It's like, well, that's awesome. Tell me about what you've got in there. Well, the SDRs, BDRs, and inside sales reps are all making up their own sequences and their own messaging. And it's like, okay, and all your SDRs, BDRs are brand new to the business world, right? just graduated college. So do they know what a, a director of product marketing does? Do they even know what it exists? How to right. talk to them? What's right. important to them? What keeps them up <laughs> at know? night? Yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, the tools are great, but um, I'll clean it up a bit. But when you, you know, the old saying, you put garbage in, you get garbage out. Oh, totally, totally. So you're just doing more of it. Yeah. which is not a good thing. <laughs> and you're spending a lot more money to create more garbage. You know, yes. Part that yes. My mind that again, oh, we put in this great piece of technology. It's going to solve our problems. No, it's not. No, no. Right. Yeah. The technology is not the silver bullet, right? No. Um, so it, it's what you put in it. And so that that's the other, I think, big thing, again, is getting back to the proper messaging. Exactly. Uh, and you said it earlier. 
you know, yes. understanding what's the value proposition, what is the value we're bringing to you, the customer. It's it's understanding that and communicating that. Exactly, exactly. And you know, we do tend to mix up in technology companies feature and functionality for value proposition. <laughs> um, and so that's that's the big thing that we spend a lot of time on with companies is like, no, that's a feature. That's not a business value. So what is what are what's the benefit they're going to get out of you having that feature in your product, right? That's right. right? That's right. Um, and so so that's a key thing. And then we use all of that to create the messaging for outreach and for prospecting, um, which is what really makes things hum. And why you know one of the other things getting back what we saw happen during COVID, which is making these teams kind of crazy, but also very very valuable, is that you have to do minimum of 25% more activities today right. to get that first meeting set versus pre-COVID. Right. Um, and to, just to get the same results, right? And what we're finding is that email response rates have plummeted, dropped like crazy because everybody went when COVID happened and nobody was in the office, you know, worried that nobody had this, the phone numbers. So they, they even doubled down on sending out more emails to everybody. So executives that I talked to are like, I get 200, 300, 400 emails every day from outside of my company, right. from vendors trying to sell me. Yep. So, you know, what do the they same. do? They're all, well, the they're all horrible. There's no value, right? Exactly. They're There's like no reason for me to want to respond to right. you. And um, so they hit delete, 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 yeah. delete. Um, phone has plummeted, but not as severe as email. And if you can find a cell phone number where prospecting via cell phone numbers pre-COVID was a huge no-no, you didn't do that. Now it's okay and it's acceptable. So finding those cell phone numbers and find and utilizing technology that um, enlist that have cell phone numbers is huge. And those are the people that are making really great inroads and grounds right now um, is when they've got their, their prospecting uh, around, you know, multimedia. It's not just email, yeah. um, not just phone either. Social, if your audience and your buyers are social, uh, video and reaching out using cell phones. So, you know, again, th things, are, things are changing and you got to keep yeah. up with, <laughs> yeah. with what's going on and how your buyers are responding yeah. and what they're, what they're looking for. Yeah, you know, one of the questions I had for you is how did we get so reliant on email for building pipeline? And I think you, you explained that really well. Yeah. But why, why, why have we become so dependent upon it and continue yeah. to be so dependent upon email? Well, so a couple of reasons. Um, I think that the SDR world today, and, and I hate to generalize um, on this, but they're younger, right? They're typically fresh out of college, one year out of college. And when you talk about that core group, they're much more comfortable using screens right. and technology than actually having that phone conversation. 
So they'd rather text, they'd rather email than pick up the phone. Um, the other thing is, is that, you know, I think as leaders of these sales development teams, they're also in the same boat. And we hear a lot of noise on LinkedIn about cold calling's dead. And so people equate cold calling with the phone and it's not dead. It's how you do it. <laughs> you're still going to reach out to somebody who did not say they wanted you to call them. <laughs> so whatever you want to call them, <laughs> outbound prospecting seems to sound better for most people, but yeah. it's the same thing. Yep. Um, you know, and you have to understand, again, how to do it properly and be prepared for that. If they answer that phone call, what are you going to say? Exactly. And so you got to be, you got to be able to, to understand how to engage and get them feeling comfortable that either they'll talk to you then, or you've said enough, again, goes back to messaging, you've said enough that's piqued their interest and their curiosity. Yep. And they're like, okay, I do want to talk to you. I just can't talk now. So yep. let's get something on the calendar right now. Right. Yep. And you go for it. So it, it's setting them up and preparing them and giving them those kinds of tools. Here's right. what you say when somebody answers the phone yep. until they get comfortable with it and they get the whole process and what you're trying to accomplish rather than we hear too many times, well, we hired smart people. And so we give them high level, but they're smart. They figure it out on their own. You hope. You hope, and it may take a year or two years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and uh, um, it goes back to training. Just think how much more effective they would be in that year or two years if you spend right. a month or two months up front on training. Right. If, if you did that, think of what the benefits your company would get yeah. in more quali quality meetings sat, yep. right? And that the the reps would feel better because they're going to be a, getting closer or accomplishing or blowing out yeah. their goals yes. and their metrics because right now they're not right and they know that they're not doing well um and that's not a good feeling so you know set people up for success and it's okay we, we've sort of come to this where it's it's a bad thing to say we're going to give them a prescriptive process and messaging but let me tell you, that's what works. Yes, I, I, I've heard that. It's funny, you go back, you read sales books from 30 years ago or 40 years ago. That's what they're saying. I, I had a previous guest on who sold encyclopedias uh, on the podcast. And he, he said, the guys that crushed it selling were the ones that followed the script. The ones that sucked were the ones that went off script or tried to do it on their own. They're right. You know, think exactly. about selling encyclopedias 50 years ago. You yes. Know? Yeah. Or, you know, another one that's a good example is Cutco Knives. I don't know if you've ever yeah. had anybody. Yeah. So, you know, they get a lot of college students yeah. that haven't graduated yet that are working their way through college yeah. to do it. And so, you know, I've had a couple of the friends, my nephew's friends that have come and the ones that do really well are the, you know, they're on a script yeah. and they know exactly how to say it. The ones that don't do well are the ones that think that they know better. Right, right. <laughs> and and they 
go off the script. And it's just like a sales process. I mean, the sales process is a really prescriptive when you do it right. right. It's very prescriptive. Here's what I need to accomplish in this step. Here's what the client, my prospect needs to agree to. Here's what I have to accomplish before I can move on to the next one. And then here's the next one. And you just, you know, you go through this logical order of things um, to reach the end. But for some reason, the LinkedIn sphere (laughs) likes to say that you can't be prescriptive and, you know, uh, and it's like, okay, well, we know what works. And every time we put in a prescriptive model and messaging, the teams perform like there's no tomorrow. Right. Because what you're doing is you're you're optimizing based on what works. And, and to me, it's the same thing when you're leveraging technology in support of the team. You, you can't have technology that supports your team if everybody's doing it differently. Right, you right. Know, it's your technology. You've completely taken technology, all the benefits out of the uh, equation. Exactly, exactly. And we see that happen all the time, especially with sales enablement tools. Right. Again, getting back to that is that when they have the reps all creating their own, they don't have like a naming convention right. for their sequences or cadences so that when the rep goes to find one, they don't, they don't remember what they named it. They can't find it. So they recreate a new one and they just keep recreating new ones. And before you know it, there's hundreds, if not thousands of them out there. Yeah. And so the tool has become rendered useless. Basically exactly. it's nothing but a mass email tool and you get no metrics, you get no measurements, no guidance, no information that tells you what's working and what's not working. That's right, that's right, it's it's insane. But it's it's every organization. It is, it is. We talked to. Yeah, yeah, Sally, I really, we've we've come up on our time, we've actually (laughs) went a little bit over, but I love listening to you, so this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on Sales Lead Dog. Um, we're going to have all your contact info in the uh, in the show notes. But if people want to reach out and connect with you, uh, learn more about you and and connect with you and your your organization, what's the best way for them to do that? So I, I'm on LinkedIn at Sally Doobie, um, D-U-B-Y is the last name, all one word, and um, or you can go to Bridge Group Inc. We have a lot of great content, resources, surveys, best practices on the website. Uh, Or my email is sdoobie at bridgegroupinc.com. And love to connect with people. Yep. And I'll read the the website. You guys do have a lot of great content on your website. Um, So it's a great resource. And also check out Sally's LinkedIn profile. Um, You've had a pretty, your career and mine have Paralleled. I've been on the user side or the customer side for much of your career. <laughs> <laughs> Small world, huh? Yeah, it is. It is. So, Sally, thanks yes. again for coming on Sales Lead Dog. Thank you very much, Christopher, for having me. I've enjoyed it. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube, and you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales lead dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.